Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Script shop show. There we go now. Script shop show. Okay. It's a uh, podcast uh, and a script shop show. Emmy, 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 Emmy. We're here in the... I can't go further. Ugh, what do you mean? I lost my cool. Well... Because I was going to say studio, but what, what rhymes with studio? We're here in the studio. You're going to listen to us, yo. Okay, okay, cool. What else could we have uh, done? No, it's derailed. It's... <laughs> um, you know, I'm snapping. Yeah. We're teaching Olive to snap, and she's getting to this part instead of just doing this Instead stuff, of bringing the fingertips together? Yeah. She's getting... She she knows that she's got to put certain fingers together to snap. Snapping is one of those things where we you, well, like you, once you know it, you just know it. But like if you try to exp- like if you meet an alien or you're teaching a baby, yeah, which I don't mean to make sure those are the same thing. <laughs> like pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> like how do you explain? Okay, you're going to bring your fingers together and then like squeeze them real hard and then let one of your fingers slap against the meat Slide of your of thumb. There. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain. It is, isn't it? Well, it's funny because you watch her doing it, and it's a fast motion, too. Right. So I'm just impressed right. that she's really starting to pick it pick it up. She's not snapping. Yeah. She's she's not a baby genius. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> she hasn't figured this out yet. <laughs> but she's getting there. Hi, everybody. This is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts. <laughs> and what they wrote and why they wrote them and why they're the only person in the history of all time that could have written the very, very specific things that they did and then brought them on the show. Yeah, we really appreciate everybody who sends us their work and uh, takes the time to send us their work. And you can do it, too. And you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. That's right. You can also get on scriptshopshow.com and check out all of our writers. We have really interesting things and bios and log lines and screenplays and all kinds of stuff posted about the artists that we get to interview on the show. You can go look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter because we also link to all the artists there as well as post fun weekly videos, talk about what's upcoming, share news of the show and when it releases each week, and all the cool things that people want to do on the internet nowadays. All the cool things that you've come to expect from scriptshopshow.com and its various (laughs) subsidiaries. That's right. Burritos for everyone. That should be our first thing in in the gift shop. In the script shop, in the in the, in the script shop shop. Yes, <laughs> in this in the script shop. We need you to log on to shop dot script shop dot wait shop dot script shop show dot com slash shop. Oh, we're whoa, fun. whoa, whoa! Okay, so today we are delighted to interview John Maslowski. He is a writer from Cleveland, Ohio, who has brought us a very unique script. It is an eight-page Terminator plus pop culture collision. It's called The Buffinator. The Buffinator. You don't. So you never. I'm gonna start snapping. That's all I got. You and I are of two different ages. Uh, there's a few years in between us, and I and I want I want to bring this up when we get John on the show because I've got a very specific childhood memory of when I first watched the original Terminator. Really? Oh my gosh! Yeah, mm. it's a whole like it's I've I've told the story like it's not even all that great, but it's just I remember it and it like it's it has so a unique because I was too young to watch it like in terms of like age appropriate right. content and it's uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Well, but, why don't we bring him on the show on, and just talk about it? All right, let's let's uh, bring John the show. John Maslowski. Hi, how are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. So you're in uh, Cleveland. What's, what's the suburb in particular? 
Well, I live in Mayfield Heights, which is about 20, 25 miles east of downtown Cleveland. But I'm from New York originally, but I moved here in 2005. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. so John and I are going to have a bit of an Ohio guy moment real quick, even though I'm living in Cincinnati okay. right now. I grew up in Wellington, which is in Lorraine County, which is uh, okay. not too terribly far from where you're at. That's true. This is true. What, so what brought you to Ohio about, let's see, 2005, 14 years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. I moved here for a job. Um, it, I wasn't supposed to move here for the job, but it's a long story. But basically, um, that's why I moved here for a job. Yep. Uh, how do you feel about this job, John? Um, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kept you? Yeah. I love Cleveland, actually. I, I have no desire to move back to New York. None. If I were to move, I would move more into the Midwest. Seriously. Oh, I, I that's like so it. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate. It all worked out for me. Um, do you have any family or any loved ones who live with you in the Midwest or is mostly everyone in New York? Pretty much family and friends I grew up with are all still in New York. I mean, I made friends here and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, my mom and my brother and sister are still in New York and, you know, guys I grew up with. But, you know, a lot of my friends – moved out of New York and none of them have moved back. So it's everybody's all good. drinking the same Kool-Aid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> New York can be uh, harsh. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming by you sort of talking about that you moved into the Cleveland area for a job, that job wasn't necessarily <laughs> anything involving scripts or film or anything like that. Oh no, absolutely not. It was completely unrelated. It had nothing to do with uh, creativity. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what was not- it? Uh, I was an attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was all right. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was not very interesting. No. OK. So then my I guess the, the follow up question for me then is how did writing screenplays or anything involving films become first become a thing with you? Um. I started to do a little acting, I think, like in 2015. You know, I did some extra work, you know, just for, you know, low budget, no budget films, not Hollywood stuff. So I did some extra work and I got some leads. And then um, I started to make a couple movies on my phone, my iPhone. You know, they did pretty well. They got into festivals. They won some awards. And then after I made the i uh, the movies on the iPhone, uh, I started to write some scripts, some sh- some short scripts and uh and between the acting and making shooting the movies on my phone and the writing, I, I think I like the writing the best. So I've been focusing on that more so in the last year. Although I did make some more animated things on my phone, you know. But yeah, of all those things, the acting and the shooting, I think I like the writing best. So that's what I've been focusing on. Have you always been somebody who's fascinated and interested in filmmaking? Or is this like a kind of new revival thing that's popped up into your life recently? No, it's interesting. I've always been a fan of film my whole life, ever since I was, you know, a little kid. You know, my dad would take me to inappropriate movies like Dawn of the Dead when I was like seven years old. Yeah. So um, not the original, the sequel. But when I was a kid, 10 or 11, you know, this was back in the 80s when they had the big VCR camera and you had to carry, you know, the the thing around your neck. Yep. And my friends and I, we would make little videos and movies. So, yeah, it was kind of in me. And then it just sort of lay dormant for 30 years. And then all of a sudden in 15, it just kind of it was weird. I just like I didn't plan on acting. My friend just needed an extra and I did it. And I'm like, oh, this was fun. So that's how it all started again. I'm, like I said, I'm very fortunate to be in this position. 
Well, and how cool is it, the role that, like, technology can play in just the idea that everybody's walking around with these little computers in our pockets that are, like, the size of a deck of cards, and you can just, like, oh, I feel like maybe making a movie. How can I? I can probably do that on here. Like, that's such a cool way to explore just your own personal level of creativity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're so blessed with the technology now, and um, there are Hollywood um, Hollywood director, Steven Soderbergh. I mean, he won an Academy Award and his last movie, Unseen, he shot it on an iPhone. Yeah. His new movie, he shot it on an iPhone. So, yeah, I mean, we are so blessed um, to have this technology. It's amazing. So you're talking about seeing Dawn of the Dead. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. I was going to say The Walking Dead, but that's much, much, yeah. much later. Much later. Much Dawn later, of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a young person, and does your work generally take that tone, that kind of like sci-fi, uh, potentially scary type of of genre? No, interestingly, um, I've been most of the scripts I've written, they've been short, you know, under 10 pages. Um, and they've all been comedy, actually. Um, like the Buffinator. I mean, I am working on a feature length script that's about the opioid epidemic. So that's oh, wow. drama. But yeah, like the, the movies I make on my phone and the writing I've done, it's all been comedy. Because I noticed I've been to a lot of film festivals. I've been fortunate. And I noticed what the crowds seem to appreciate the most is laughing. And, you know, I, it's kind of the idea that, you know, not to sound like a hippie, but I just want to put something positive into the world and <laughs> hopefully make somebody laugh. So, yeah, I've, I've been sticking to comedy, um, not horror, not, you know, not anything else. Do you um, think of yourself as a like a, a super funny guy and go to comedy stuff and study comedy or is it just kind of, you know, in you and as you start writing, your stuff comes out silly? Yeah, I don't know if I'm super funny. It just <laughs> it just comes out. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of stand-up comedy. I I did it once. It was it was way too hard. Um so yeah, I I I it, the ideas come just from experiences I have. Either, you know, somebody will say something or I hear something or I'll be in this unusual situation. So it's just kind of comes from observations of life. So if you if you do mostly funny stuff, this script that you sent us, The Buffinator, uh, is a very strong spoof of the original Terminator from back in the That's early correct. 80s. Do, it, 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 if you're writing a lot of funny things, is, is a lot of your script work like more spoofy? Um, yeah, I would say it's more spoofy. It's not like slapstick or anything like that. But yeah, I kind of – I kind of – yeah, it's, it's spooky, but I also like to throw some social commentary in there as well. Okay. Like all these animated short things I make on my phone. I mean, they're they're funny, but it's, it's also like kind of dry humor. And I kind of gear it towards people in my peer group. Um, I won't tell you how old I am, but <laughs> I don't try to appeal to like all the demographics. I just try to appeal to people in my peer group, you know, so I'll make reference to things like Game of Thrones or whatever, you know. Yeah, I'm going to let you in on a secret, John. What you just described with the VCR and the satchel and the camcorder gives me a pretty good idea of what age range you're talking about. Yeah, all right. I'm busted, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Busted. So, you know, you're talking about wanting to appeal to your peer group. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there's, like, very specific commentary that your peer group responds to? Um... I think so. I mean, I think, you know, just like I said, I try to have some social commentary and, and pop culture commentary, you know, so like, I mean, Starbucks is a big thing for of any age, but I think people in my groups, so I, ha- I made one about Starbucks. I was kind of 
poking fun at it. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I it's I kind of just like things that I find interesting. That's what I write about. Like, I'm not a fan of Starbucks. So I made this little animated thing kind of like making fun of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Simple. Well, and well, so yeah. much of it is shared experience, right? If you're if right. you're writing something that, you know, strikes a tone with you and then if you find other people that, hey, yeah, I get that because I feel the same way. Like that's sort of, I mean, that in terms of connection and telling stories, that's all any of us is ever really looking for, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Like I said, I mean, I don't know if someone who's 18 might, I mean, they might appreciate some of these animated things I made. I don't know. But like I said, I kind of just gear it towards what I'm interested in. You know, I'm interested in movies and TV shows and The Walking Dead. So I write about kind of like pop culture things mostly. Yeah, that's fun. So in terms of shared experience, I said the little story that I have about what I remember when I saw the Terminator for the first time. Mm-hmm. So ter- the first Terminator came out, what, like 1980, 1981, something like that? Uh, I think it was 84. Okay. E- early 80s. Yeah. I was I was born in 1981. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So uh, as you the years went on. Jack? He said, oh, wow. I, yeah, I'm going to just You're gloss old. right over that and we're just going to keep <laughs> oh, on going. No. Wow. Oh, wow. John, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John. What a sweet guy this John guy is. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I got to be around, I don't know, 11 or 12 or whatever. And growing up, my dad had this he had this whole giant, uh, you know, those big wooden entertainment centers that you that were sort of a thing in homes in the 80s for sure, where there's a cabinet right. off to the side where there's shelves for VHS tapes. And dad shot a lot of home movies when we were growing up you know, holidays and get togethers and whatever. Dad usually had took a movie of it. He also videotaped a whole lot of movies on HBO. Smart guy. And just had like had that you know, instead of going to the video store or going because we grew up in a small little town. So it wasn't like there was a blockbuster around or whatever. But we had cable and dad had HBO and dad would just if this is a good movie coming on HBO, dad for sure would tape it. It was it helped. I, I It helped me have a lot of movies in my life when I was growing up. And I mean, like age appropriate right. stuff. And like, that's how I saw the first Superman. I think I wore that tape out. Like it was a big thing for me. Nice. Aww. Sure. I remember at one point going through the shelf and finding the DVD that my or DVD, the tape that dad had. And it said Terminator on the side. And I had heard of the Terminator. I'm like, like I said, I'm like 11 or 12. So, but I knew it was, a, I knew it was a movie that wasn't, that I shouldn't be watching. I knew for sure it was an R rated movie. Mm. <laughs> so I spent like, four Saturday mornings in a row, waking oh up God. at like seven in the morning, sneaking downstairs, wow. popping the tape in, <laughs> watching it for like 20 minutes or so until I heard like footsteps moving around. And then I would put the tape back in the sleeve and then like, you know, at, watch cartoons or make myself a bowl of cereal or whatever. So it was right. over the course of like a solid month before I was able to get the story in of its entirety. Terminator. And I remembered like, right. oh, you know, you got that feeling of like sneaking around and doing something you're not yeah. supposed to do. Yes. And it's a pretty violent movie. It's a good action flick. It's yeah. a, it's a it's right. a genre defining film of the early eighties. It's a, and and having seen that movie and having it so ingrained in me, John, reading this Buffinator script and knowing how many specific cues from the original that you worked into the script, I was able to like, oh, I know that scene. Oh, I know that scene. So in terms of shared experience, man, I'm right there with you. Well, that's awesome. I'm so glad uh, you liked it, and 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 I commend you for your dedication to watch a non appropriate age movie because i did the same thing with saturday night live i used to sneak past my parents bedroom to watch saturday night live so you know, we have we have two things in common yeah sneaky, man. sneaking from our parents <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, for sure i was gonna watch this r-rated movie because yeah i want to watch this I wanna... so i god i am embarrassed to say this but i haven't actually seen the terminator mm-hmm. and now i want to watch it because i love action movies is it oh it's great is it really violent yeah. Is it by um, today's standards, gentlemen, really? 
I mean, that, that's a good question by today's standards. I mean, it is violent. There's no doubt about it. There's a scene where he rips the heart out of a person, the Terminator. <laughs> Which is um, nothing to hear someone say out loud. <laughs> there's a scene where, you know, he shoots a lady, but it's off screen. Um, yeah, so it is violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, 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 there's violence in it, but it's also, there's just some good action in it, too. There's a couple really good chase scenes where they're, like, trying to throw bombs behind them just to take him out. Right. He's driving this big semi-truck and, like, chases on motorcycles and stuff. It's all really, it's, there, there's just some, it's just some good action that's blended also with a, a bit of violence and a little bit of gore. It's not, it's not over the top too bad. No, so, I agree. It's not over the top, by, you know, compared to some movies today. But, uh, I mean, to me, it's just an iconic movie. It's absolutely. one of my favorite movies. I mean, I've read about, the, you know, I've read all about it, the research. And James Cameron, you know, who went on to make the biggest grossing movie ever. Um, this is one of his first films. And he had a really small budget. Yeah. And uh, but to me, he pulled out, you know, he, he uh, made a masterpiece. And when it came out, it, it, it did fairly well. Um, at the theaters, but it wasn't a blockbuster at all. But as time went on, it came to be this like seminal science fiction movie. Mm. So that movie in and of itself, is is that literally just what inspired the Buffinator, your enthusiasm for the Terminator in general? No, the idea came actually from my sister's dog. Um, she had a Yorkie named Buffy. <laughs> ah, perfect. And, uh, and one day I just thought, oh, the Buffinator you know, because like Wendy's had the Baconator, you know, hamburger a couple years ago. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, the, the Terminator comes back and it has to take out this cute little Yorkie named Buffy. So I'll call the Terminator the Buffinator. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all started. It all started with my sister's dog. This is the cutest Buffy, the cutest Yorkie ever. <laughs> it, it was. Unfortunately, uh, it, she's passed away. Mm. But she was 100% the inspiration for this movie. Oh, man. R.I.P. Buffy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. She, was, she was good. Good dog. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and do a little reading from the screenplay um, Great. Yeah. So, listeners, if you are following along, today we're going to be starting with scene six. Jack mm-hmm. is going to be playing the character Grease. We probably need to set Grease up. So, if, if you're not familiar with the Terminator, the idea that this robot from the future is coming back to take out a woman who eventually would give birth to a guy that would lead the revolution for humanity to take back the Earth from okay. the machines. So in this scenario, Buffy, the Yorkie, would have a puppy that would go yes. forward to, to – okay, got it. That would grow up got to it. lead the resistance and yes. overthrow the machines. Okay. Uh, Kyle Kyle Reese in The Terminator <laughs> or Kyle Grease in this is the guy that's come back to protect Buffy from the robot that's out there to kill to kill the dog. Okay, so in The Buffinator is – the Yorkie pregnant currently with the future king or queen? No, I, I mirrored it um, to the movie. In, in the movie, the character Reese comes back, and the character, female character, she's not pregnant yet. And same thing with this, with the Buffinator. Um, the Buffinator comes back. Yorkie, I mean, Buffy's not yet pregnant with her puppy <laughs> that will lead the resistance. So I, I tried to mirror everything as closely to the original 
idea as I could. Yeah, which, John, by the way, I, now I'm that I'm, I'm putting the plot together from the way the original Terminator plays out, and I think you've set yourself up for a little bit of a – you've painted yourself a little bit into a corner in terms of who the father of Buffy's puppy is going to end up being, if I remember the original story right. Yeah, actually, that <laughs> I don't know. You're right. That, that, that's, that's not mentioned in this script, right, in the original – Reese is the father of. Oh the no! Just, it, it's kind of like weird incestual stuff. I don't know. Oh. Well, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> let's get into a comedy. Yeah. Mm. All right, John. Uh, hang on one second. We're going to read the people yeah. your work here. Thank you. All right. All right. You ready, Jack? Yeah, I got to get into my my Kyle Reese. Uh, yeah, put your headspace on. Savior. Okay. Yeah, we're good. All right. Action! 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 Jack's here. Gotcha. All right, scene six, exterior, park, day. Buffy, the cutest Yorkie ever, is playing happily in the park. Buffinator uses Twitter's location service to find Buffy. He travels to the park. He charges Buffy. At the last second, Grease shoots the Buffinator, knocking him down. Come with me if you want to pee! Buffy turns her head to the side as if to say, What are you talking about? Buffy squirms violently as Grease puts her in a petaroo front carrier dog pack. Grease runs from the Buffinator with Buffy strapped to his chest. I'm getting us an Uber. Grease opens his Uber app. Ten minutes. That's insane. I'm using Lyft. They drive away. Scene seven. Interior, indoor parking lot, night. Grease picks up Buffy, so they are face to face. Do you have to pee? A disinterested Buffy. Do you have to poop? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just funny to think about. A disinterested Buffy. Answer me. Do you have to pee or poop? A disinterested Buffy. I'm here to help you. My name is Grease. Sergeant USB. My serial number is R-U-N-D-M-C-2112-515010. I'm assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for buffination. What attacked you is not a man. He is a machine. A buffinator. Amazon Systems Model J-E-F-F-150 Billion. Not a robot, a cyborg, part man, part machine, part Keurig, K-Classic, K-5-0, single-serve, K-Cup, pod coffee maker. He was sent from the future by Alexa. Buffy turns her head to right. Why you? I'll tell you why. There was a nuclear war. It was started by Alexa from Amazon. She got sick of humans asking her stupid questions, so she hacked into the U.S. and Chinese nuclear arsenals and nearly destroyed the entire planet. Alexa devices remained all over the planet. Turns out they're made of starlight, which can survive a nuclear blast. Buffy turns her head to the left. The Yorkie resistance was started by the survivors. No, not because they're cute. The survivors trained Yorkies to hunt down all the Alexa devices. Yorkies are bred to be vermin hunters. It's in their DNA. They're compact. They can approach Alexas without being spotted. Your unborn daughter, Joanna Carter, is the first Yorkie hunter. Every Yorkie hunter was bred from her. If you die, she'll never be born. And the Yorkie resistance will never be started. Mankind will become extinct. A disinterested Buffy. (sighs) This is going to be harder than I thought. End scene. There we go. Nice. Wow, that was exciting. You guys, you guys are great. You're a great actor. Now it makes me want to go out and shoot this tonight. <laughs> guys, thank you. John, that thank is you. so funny. Well, it was. I was enjoying getting back into that Michael Bean, I'm here to save you, come with me if you want to live vain. Right, that's one of the famous lines. Come with me if you want to live. So I said, come with me if you want to pee. Yeah. <laughs> I do love him like yeah. staring straight into her face before they get in the car. Do you have to pee? <laughs> do you have to poop? <laughs> right. That's exactly yeah, what you would again, say to a dog. Right. In the in the movie, 
um, Reese says, no, are you heard? Yeah. So I try to actually mirror the language as much as I can. So, yeah. So I'm glad you liked it. That was awesome to hear someone read it out loud. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. So, you, right. you know, one of the things I jotted down, and you kind of got into this earlier, but, the you know, one of the sort of hallmarks of doing a, a spoof of something is that it sort of gives the creator or the director or the writer or whomever likes a bit of license to lay a level of social commentary out there. And you were, you you do that. You mentioned the Starbucks stuff and you were, you know, you'll you'll make that goof about, you know, some kind of complicated coffee order that everyone's sort of used to having to recite now because it's such a ubiquitous kind of thing. But also even the beginning when the Buffinator first shows up and it's that classic Arnold Schwarzenegger scene where he's like naked and he comes walking up to the in the original movie, it's these three punks. And I think Bill Paxton is even one of those punks. That's and, correct. And they're like sort of these violent dangerous looking guys that are drinking and smoking and like they I think they're looking through a telescope and just cursing at each other but in this script here they're sort of dorks right right they're or at least playing, kids uh, right they they're vaping weed and playing po- pokemon, po- pokemon go, go. Yeah. <laughs> i tried to you know bring it up to 2019 yeah, yeah. and actually that you know kids playing pokemon go isn't that dorky that's a pretty mainstream thing now that i think about it yeah, I've played it. I mean, yeah, it's it is pretty mainstream. You, you did. I mean, you know who hasn't played it? Have you not played it? Me. It's fun. <laughs> Philip loves it though, yeah. so I'll walk around with him while he's playing it. Yeah. <laughs> you could take the baby for walks and catch monsters. That's right. We could. absolutely. And I'm trying to think, John. What are some some of the other uh, like uh, there? You have a few more. Uh, I mean, you, there's just a lot. You're, you're you got a lot of product references, and you're just. I mean, you're. Yeah, I want to. I want to ask this question. Sure. Just like there is so much idiosyncratic references in here are you like taking a script and then going back and peppering in as many like it's like specificity yes and um no i I mean i i don't really plan things out too much when i write i just kind of do it off the top of my head and like i said i like to have a little social commentary and pop culture so I mean, a, a little is an understatement yeah, here. Like it's it's part of what you're doing yeah. as an artist yeah. is like this is well, something think, that you've made. Right. I mean, I think that makes it funnier. Like like he said, you know, it's a shared experience. So person's like, oh, a Starbucks long order, you know, the long coffee order or, you know, like I'm really into music. So when Re- when Greece gives his, you know, serial number, it's actually three albums. It's. Uh, two one one two is twenty one twelve a rush album, and then oh, the yeah. second part of his number is fifty one oh five, which is a Van Halen album. Right, and the third part of his number is ten, which is a Pearl Jam album. So again, I try to just throw pop culture in there because I think, as you you know, as you said, everybody could relate to it, and it just creates instant common ground. And, you know, hopefully one day someone will offer me like, you know, Starbucks will offer me $10 million to put, you know, their product in my movie. So that's another reason why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's why we reference them on the show all the time, too. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Talk about yeah. Taco Bell a lot on this show. Yeah, we'd like some dinner, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to be honest with you, John, the idea of, you know, Alexa getting annoyed by people asking it stupid questions all the time and deciding, you know what, boop, here goes the missiles. Like, mm-hmm. that's not that crazy of a concept, really. That's not bad at all. That's, that's no, in terms I mean, of a script, that's believable. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm really into technology and and also conspiracy theories, and that could totally happen. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but that could totally happen because I mean, that's what happened in the movie. They had this right. 
you know, system called Skynet and it became self-aware and it decided humans were its biggest threat. So it decided to kill all the humans. And, you know, with Google nowadays, you know, God only knows what they can do. So, you know, Alexa's probably listening to us now. When I turn off my computer, I might not be here tomorrow. I don't Uh-oh. know. <laughs> the buffinator is coming. Yeah. Uh, any yeah. Uh, other than the fact that you're living in Mayfield Heights right now, any particular reason why you chose to have this set in Cleveland? No, no, no particular reason. I just it's like a stream of conscious thing. You know, I I love Cleveland, but I gave it a little jab because she's like, oh, Cleveland, you know, the time machine dropped the ball. So no, <laughs> there, there, there was no specific reason for that. I mean, the opening scene was going to be when he comes to Earth. And he was going to, you know, land in front of the Cleveland script sign. Yeah. So that's another reason why I had Cleveland. But again, that was just kind of like stream of consciousness. Well, and if nothing else, it's easy to maybe picture if you were to ever maybe try to produce this sometime. Like it's easy to picture yeah. maybe where some of the scenes would be because you're a, it's all in your head anyway because you're, you're living in the city. Oh, yeah. I mean, I actually, you know, scouted it all out. I found locations. I, um, I found some actors. I found this one guy. He was an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonator. I mean, he looked like him. He sounded like him. I mean, this guy did this full time as a career. I spoke to his agent. So I was all ready to do this. I was going to, you know, make it simple, shoot it on my phone by myself. You know, I know a lot of the actors in Cleveland. So I was ready to do it. And then, unfortunately, Buffy passed away. So that kind of put a damper on things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but no, I was... I was ready to do it. I scouted out locations. I I knew all the actors in Cleveland. I knew who I wanted to play what. I wow. spoke to this Schwarzenegger impersonator. Yeah, and actually Michael Bean, the actor you mentioned him, who plays Kyle Reese in the movie, he goes to all these Comic Cons. So it's very easy to, you know, to approach him. So I was even thinking about approaching him, but like I said, the whole thing got put on hold with the uh untimely passing. Well, yeah, but I, geez, I didn't realize how close. I mean, I, one of the things we usually like to ask a writer who comes on the show is in terms of production. Is there been any thought put into it? But I mean, yeah, you said you scouted locations and yeah. you build a cast up. That's yeah, those are a bunch of steps in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think I could do it. You know, um, but like I said, the whole thing was based on Buffy, and my sister actually got another Yorkie. I was going to ask named, if you could recast. Which, yeah which is named Kiki. They, mm-hmm. they named her Kiki because as soon as you pick her up, anybody who picks her up, she immediately starts kissing you. So they call her Kiki. And Kiki's great. She's cute. But she's not I almost feel like I'm doing something wrong if Buffy's yeah. not in it because the whole thing was based on her. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm going to shoot it one day. And I'll, you know, I'll get a Yorkie. How, so. how long ago did Buffy pass away? Uh, last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, la- the, the latter half of 2019, uh, 18. Yeah. So, I mean, one day I'm going to shoot it or, you know, down the road, if I become more accomplished, you know, I'll try to, you know, have it, you know, quote, professionally produced and stuff. But I mean, at at one point I'm going to shoot it. Well, let me throw this out at you, John. You, you, you've you've yeah. talked about having done some uh, animated type stuff on your phone. Why not do some sort of animated thing for this? Well, it's interesting you say that because that's that's something I've been considering. Um, like I said, I made these simple two-minute films on my phone animation, and I really like the animation because it's just it's just so easy. You know, you don't have to go out to locations and do crafty and do all this stuff. You just have it right there. And I actually met a woman who she made a really great um, animated film. So it's interesting you say that because I was I was 
seriously considering doing that because it would be it would be a lot cheaper and a lot easier since I wouldn't do the animation. I would just have, you know, I'd pay somebody to do it. So that that's another possibility, yeah. So well, if yeah, you know I, any really good animators, let me know. Yeah, and just I, I just like the idea of being able to cut loose with it visually even more and have you know big, colorful, splashy backgrounds when people are first getting. Just like it, it, I think just the idea of changing the medium from something that was shot live action to doing some kind of animated thing, I feel like just opens up a, a whole other realm of possibility into how you could tell this story. No, absolutely, it gives you a lot more options and. You know, there's all different kinds of animation. You know, there's anime and you could see graphic novels or you see horror movies. And, you know, the animation could be dark and scary. But I would I would have it where, you know, the characters look funny. You know, again, it's like the whole idea of just making people laugh. So, you know, that's something else I was thinking about doing. You know, like I said, at some point I'm going to shoot it or do an animated um We'll see what happens. It seems like you have plenty of ideas and lots of different things stewing in there. So I'm excited to continue yeah. seeing what kind of work comes out of you and what kind of pieces fall into place as you develop all of these different stories. Yeah, thanks. I mean, with the Buffinator, like you said, it's eight pages now, and I actually lengthened it to, to 20 pages. So um, – and if I were, you know, to like shoot it, I would, it would you know, I, I, my, my goal, my original goal was – to recreate the Terminator frame by frame, I mean, exact, <laughs> exactly frame by frame. And, you know, to shoot that live would be really hard and expensive, but it'd be a lot easier animated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to get, man, you're painting yourself into that weird corner with who's going to be the father of this savior of humanity. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, how, you, I don't know how you're right around that. Uh, if you have any ideas, let me know. I do not. Show, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no ideas about that. But I was, I did going to ask you, because this is a, it's an eight-page short that you sent us, and I was curious if you had any more thoughts about like fleshing it out. You said you brought it up to 20, so you've added in a few yeah. more scenes. Yeah, I brought it up to 20, and what I did was I actually – you know, sat in front of my computer and I had the movie on my phone and I watched the movie mm -hmm. again, frame by frame. And I tried just verbally to, to recreate every scene. So that's, that's how it got expanded. Um, and it's only 20 pages, but if I were to shoot it, obviously it'd be longer than 20 minutes, but that was my goal. My goal was, I want to create this movie frame by frame. Like, and if you remember like a year or two ago, James Franco made a movie uh, called The Disaster Artist. Yeah. And it was the remake of that cult film, The Room. Right. And I didn't see it, but I saw scenes from it. And oh my gosh, like some of the scenes were mirrors of the original. It was like, I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's what I want to do with the Buffinator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, if yeah, somebody's right. interested in helping you recreate this frame by frame by frame, <laughs> or maybe yeah. they have a very cute Yorkie that they'd like to introduce you to. Now we're talking. Then what's yeah. the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, I, I would say the guess the best way is probably social media. If you just you know Google my name John Maslowski Facebook, it'll come up. Or if you want, you could email me directly. Uh, my email is J like John, and it's M A S L O W S K I the number two at gmail dot com. But it's probably easier to hit me up on Facebook. But yeah, any, any animators out there, anybody with the cute Yorkie or even a Yorkie that's not so cute, yeah, hit me up. Yeah, it doesn't thing. have to be cute so much as trained, right? That's sort of the big trick. No kidding. Like, that was another issue with Buffy. I, I yeah. you know, I, I knew her since she was a puppy. So I knew 
how to make her do certain things, you know, and she wasn't afraid of me. And like all those scenes when she's turning her head left and right, like I, I, I knew, I, I knew what to do to make her turn her head like that. So that was another issue that, you know, I mean, she would have been really easy to work with. <laughs> yeah. I do love, I do love when he's first, you know, doing the, do you have to pee and all those lines. And the fact that when, when she finally says the one thing and she gives him a baru, that's what, like when the dog turns its head, <laughs> that's called a baru. Is and it I, really? Yeah, oh, that yeah, yeah. oh, that's so that's cute. That. Well, I mean, it's, it's called that because the internet, like a couple of years ago, decided that that's oh, what okay. it was called. But I mean, <laughs> it's a great name for it. Just baru. Yeah, that, that. that's like the classic thing Buffy would do. If you were talking to her and she didn't understand something, which was most things you said to her she didn't understand, <laughs> right. you know, she would just turn her head to the right, say something else, turn her head to the left, turn her head to the right. It was really cute. That's very sweet. John, thanks yeah. so much for your time. Thanks for sending us your script. We really appreciate talking to you. Thank you, guys. This has been awesome. Thank Th- you. Thanks very much. Well, it's John Maslowski. That's fun. The Buffinator. The Buffinator. The Terminator plus a Yorkie. Dun, 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 dun. I'm assuming that's a song. That's that's like the big dramatic theme music that's building when you're first getting into the the opening titles. And then at the end when Sarah Connor, the woman that's being chased by the robot, is like getting into a Jeep and driving out west because she's embraced what this destiny of hers is. It's on there. There's like a stormy stormy sky that's building up and you just hear this. Cool. Mm, That's awesome. It almost sounds like the West Wing. Music. A little bit. It's a, and then there's even like a. I feel like you when you do West Wing stuff, you go. Uh, with yeah, your well, hands the same way. Well, that would be a Law and Order kind of. Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, law yeah. and Order. Yeah, <laughs> I'm mixing up. <laughs> what, what kind of podcast am I even hosting here? Well, you're you're overloading on pop culture references right now. <laughs> <laughs> My head's gonna explode. Folks, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you've written something that's either full of pop culture references or you want to make a splash and create pop culture references of your own, uh, do that by sending us your script. And you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Twitter, I am at your bestie Westie. And I'm at Script Shop Jack. You can talk to us about uh, any variety of things yeah. that the internet likes to talk about. All kinds of stuff. It's Silly fun. stuff. It's great. Pop culture central. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in, friends. And until next week. That's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.